What is up, y'all? It is your girl, Chanel. Welcome to episode, this has to be 22 of Candid Talk with Chanel. Happy Resurrection Sunday. It's technically 12, 16 a.m. in the morning, but I'm still counting it as if it's Resurrection Sunday. Um, It's been different for most of us because of what's going on in the world, but I am hoping that uh, everyone had a way or a means to be able to just reflect, to be able to, be able to spend time with family and to be able to um, remember our Lord and Jesus Savior, our Lord and Savior, how about that, Jesus Christ, who ultimately sacrificed his life that we may be born again. Um, I tried uh, waking up in time to catch one of my boys, shout outs to Charles Galbraith. I went to college with him, shout out to Nyack College. And he is a pastor of his own church called Clarendon Road um, Church in Brooklyn, New York. And so he did live stream a service today. I kind of caught the tail end, but I was glad that I was able to, to catch a piece of it. So yes, um, I started off this episode with none other than the iconic Clark sisters. Um, yesterday there, or the day before yesterday, technically, Saturday evening there, is it biopic or biopic? I never know how to pronounce that, but I'll, I'll for now, I'll call it their biopic, uh, biopic, I like that word better. <laughs> um, so that debuted on Saturday evening, I made sure I DVR'd it and was able to watch it later on that night. And I'm here to kind of just talk about some of the takeaways and questions I may still have and how I overall felt about it. I don't want to consider this to be like a review. You know, my brand is not, oh, look at me, my brand. My style is really not, you know, to review things, but it's always to just pull whatever thought-provoking, deeper level that I got from it or, you know, the psychological aspects that I got from whatever. And so with the Clark sisters, what I will say is as far as the music went and as far as just the people that they casted to be a part of this biopic, I think they did an amazing job. Um, Of course, we had Kiara Sheard playing her mom, Karen Clark Sheard. And so that was cool, you know, to see her be able to really like play her mother I'm a fan of Raven Good Goodwin. She, if you if you're not familiar with her name off the back, she played on um, Being Mary Jane, which was a show I watched often. Um, they had I want to say her name is Shalia. She played Dorinda Clark Cole. Raven played Denise. Um, Shalia did a great job as well. She played Dorinda Clark Cole, and I'm so annoyed that the other two actresses, the one that played Twinkie and the one that played Jackie, their names um, miss my mind. I'm not as familiar with them, but everyone did a great job. And then of course, the actress who played um, the mom, Dr. Maddie Clark, killed it. And I want to, I want to say her name. Why do I, I don't want to mispronounce her name, but I know she did an awesome job. Um, they did a great job with who they casted. The executive producers behind this, of course, was Missy Elliott, Queen Latifah, and Mary J. Blige. So if you don't know, if you're not into gospel, uh, the Clark sisters are iconic because 
their sound was so transcending and they influenced not just people who listen to gospel music. Like they set the tone for R&B. They set the tone for Neo Soul. They set the tone for a lot of different genres. They had a sound that was so different. And that's what I love. You know, you all know that I sing and um, I'm working on my second EP and I'm big on knowing your sound and and being inventive, inventive, innovative, sorry. Um, and that's even something that I'm really trying to push and challenge myself to be with this second project I'm working on, to really be innovative, to not do the obvious, to not sound like everybody. You know, um, it's one thing, as I always say, to be able to sing your face down to the ground, but it's another thing to bring something to the table that is so refreshing and that is so different. And the Clark sisters are definitely a group that did that. Now, digging deeper, of course, I knew their story, but I didn't know all of their story, right? A lot of people had questions about what happened with Denise. You know, how come she was no longer in the group after a while? Um, I wanted to know about their relationships with one another. What I will say I learned that Denise and Twinkie seem to have a connection. I can't say that in watching their biopic that I was able to say, oh, wow, Dorinda and Karen had this great bond and Jackie and this one had this great bond. I guess maybe it was Dorinda, Karen and Jackie who always seemed to be on the same page and then Twinkie and Denise who were had like a significant bond. I wish that they would have kind of dove into the sisterhood a little bit more. Ultimately, I think anytime you're doing a biopic on a group, it should be more than one night. So if I was to give any kind of critique, that's really what it would be. I think that there was a lot of story that still needed to be told, meaning starting off with the mom. Maybe that first part, half of that first night started off with the mom maybe starting back when she was like younger to understand why she was so tough to understand why she was so what's the word I'm looking for like her way of loving was just so firm and rough and cold you know with with hints of warmness here and there but like where did that come from is that something that she grew up with where did her love of music come from what was her musical journey you know how did she meet um Pastor uh, Clark, you know what I'm saying? Like, I wish that they would have started off with the mom. So we get a backstory on the mom. And then, you know, how it came to be that she had all these girls and then maybe phasing into taking time with the girls even discovering their ability to sing or the mom discovering their ability to sing and then building that into you know, like, like not rushing the story. I felt like the story was a little bit rushed, which left a few holes where they're like questions that I genuinely had. We only saw Jackie, quote unquote, getting married, never saw the wedding, just saw her have that moment with her mom in her wedding dress. How come we never got to see Dorinda in her, her moment of being married? How come we never got to see Karen in her moment of being married? Or even Twinkie when she married the douchebag she was with. You know, like how, like they kind of like brushed past those kinds of things. Um, I do like that they showed like Dorinda and her 
budding relationship with her now husband and that they showed Karen and her budding relationship with um with her husband but I just felt like a lot of things were pretty rushed they never really showed if the girls had a relationship with their father or maybe the lack of them showing that meant that they really didn't have much of a relationship with him they also didn't really show the mom teaching the girls things that moms teach the girls like they only really showed the mother teaching the girls all things music and singing right notes and sounding like one voice and like that kind of stuff but it never really showed her talking to them about dating guys and it was clear that her daughters were dating guys um never really spoke about her reflecting on maybe her two marriages that didn't go quite the way she might have intended and how to forewarn her daughters from making those same mistakes. It just always seemed like Dr. Maddie's focus was strictly on the music um, and them sounding perfect and them becoming famous so that they can spread the good news, um, which I'll touch on a little bit later. Um, so though that's the only thing I would say. I wish that this biopic was actually done in two parts, maybe even three. Um, this way they could have really developed the mother's story somewhat to help us understand why she came in with the kind of energy she came in with or where her drive came from. And and then kind of like show more of uh maybe develop a little bit more of the sisters relationships with one another you could tell that Dorinda and Denise probably were the two sisters that maybe didn't get along as much as the others or but you would only see like little hints of things um and uh I even my mom and I were talking you know after the movie debuted and my mom made a good point she was just like I wonder how you know when they would sing with the choir and then the choir was struggling to get the note right or whatever was going on how the mother would call her daughters to the front and then they would like show how it's supposed to be done. Like how did the other choir members feel? Cause I don't know about y'all, but I, re I remember over the years going to church two two churches I grew up in where there are always those certain families whose kids are like well-known and favored or get a whole bunch of opportunities and real talk. It would kind of cause some kind of, social dynamics or issues within the choir you know um there are people would feel some kind of way if they didn't get a solo for a certain part or people would feel some kind of way if it seemed like there was always favoritism especially if it was like nepotism favoritism where it's like the choir director's children get first dibs my mom was a choir director of uh uh the choir at one point in my um the last church that i was in and you know there were times where my mom was like, all right, Chanel, you singing this song, you know, or I would express interest in the song and she'd be like, okay, you can have the part. And I, you know, I could even sense when people would feel some kind of way as if my mom probably was like, oh, that's my daughter. Of course, she's going to get that, you know, she's going to get that time to shine. And that really wasn't the case. It was actually that my voice worked with that song. Like I was the only one that kind of had a jazzy style of singing and like, you know, I just was different that my my musical interests were so deep and what I had exposed myself to at that point of being a teenager musically was a lot farther along than my fellow 
choir members. And not that I was the only one that could sing. Absolutely not. There were a few others that could sing and that would sing leads as well. But my mother was big on picking the right song for the right voice. You know, so if it just so happened that her own daughter had the sound that was appropriate for whatever this song was that she selected for the choir to sing, you know, then she would ask me if I would sing that song, you know, but I still, you know, was hip to the game as far as the dynamic that that can cause at times, you know, so I, my mom was saying, I'm pretty sure some of them choir members would feel some kind of way, you know, um, especially when the spotlight was really shown on her daughters, um, when there was like some kind of error or they weren't getting something in rehearsal, um, but who knows? So I just wish that they would have kind of took their time just a little bit more in telling the story and spread it out, similar to how New Edition, their biopic was. It's just too much story to tell, too much story to tell to cram it into two hours, but that's just me. Other than that, I think that they did a pretty good job. Um, standout points, because y'all know I always think of things from a psychological perspective, and just the dynamic between the mother and the daughters was very eye-opening for me. Um, the mother ruled with an iron fist, and I'm not quite too sure how old they were throughout the, the earlier years, but it definitely seemed as though they were like 18 and older, coming into themselves as young women. And just the level of control that Dr. Maddie had on them was very eye-opening. Um, and this is why, and I'm praying that, you know, as I prepare myself to become a parent, that I don't become one of those parents who feels the need to have so much control and say so in their child's lives, especially as your children, you know, transition into adulthood. And I remember even having to say this to a myriad of foster parents that I used to work with as far as you gotta loosen the leash because it's only gonna make matters worse, right? The more you try to control everything that they do, the more or higher propensity there's gonna be for rebellion. And we saw that with Denise. And Denise seemed to be grown at this point, like the rest of her sisters. But the fact that, you know, you couldn't wear pants in the house, I understand, you know, if you're Kojic, you can't wear pants to church or whatever, but like you, they had to wear dresses all the time, skirts, couldn't wear pants. You know, at, at some point, everyone has to be able to make that decision for themselves at, at a certain age, you know? Um, and just, you know, so she, she found a way, might not have been the best way, but Denise found a way to like still be a part of what was happening, like the groundbreaking things that were happening with her sisters she still was able to be a part of that. But at the same time, throughout the movie, you'd always see her kind of slipping out, dipping out at night and doing her. Now, clearly she was linking up with guys. She probably was going to parties. She was what she would call enjoying her life, you know? But she, what I appreciated with Denise, even though she put herself in a lot of situations to get pregnant, because it's one thing to be out there dipping and doing it, as Wendy Williams would say, and enjoying your life but protecting yourself, right? That's one thing where you're not coming home with all these babies or you're not putting yourself in dangerous situations or careless situations. But it's another thing to be dipping and doing it out here 
but like do throwing all types of caution to the wind and not even protecting yourself. Like I am pretty sure that condoms existed in the 60s. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, why were you allowing yourself to get pregnant multiple times? Like Denise ended up having seven sons. Like that's real. You know what I'm saying? Um, so how is it if it happens once? Okay. Shit happens, right? But for it to continuously happen, like, so, you know, the psychological thinker in me is always like, hmm, probably was a need there, especially when it came to male attention on one end, right? That need for that male attention, that craving for that, as well as your mother. Your mother's controlling the hell out of your life. And so there is that spirit of rebellion or that need to explore the world on your own terms and to live your own life and to make your own decisions, not based off of your controlling parent, so to speak. And we all know most parents have the best of intentions. I am pretty sure their mother had the best of intentions for her daughters. She wanted them to be able to uh, be super successful in Jesus's name, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, and she, she wanted for them to, I guess, maybe have, you know, go further than she did. Like she knew their talent. She recognized their abilities and she was pushing them and pushing them, which was a big part of her personality to push, 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 and kept pushing them for excellence and perfection. And I found it interesting that those were the words that were used because I remember doing a vlog maybe two years ago about my issue with striving for excellence and perfection and some people may be like what that just sounds crazy like who wouldn't want to strive for excellence and don't get me wrong let's all strive to do our best and to be our best right I'm here for that but I think that it, it is a slippery slope when you're striving for the level of excellence that equates perfection and anytime that that word excellence was used the word perfection was used shortly after it it has to be perfect make sure that we have to get it perfect and I feel like when we're grooming our children or even ourselves to strive for this level of perfection that doesn't even exist, it is unhealthy and can be detrimental in the long run. You know, I'm constantly striving for something that does not even exist, you know? Um, and why was that the goal, right? And I, you know, I'm a Christian and growing up, you know, in the church, you know, I, I often say I am here for Christianity. I am not here for church culture. Right. And what that means is I get easily bothered when I'm around a lot of church culture, meaning to the point where church is so much of your life. It, you're, it is so ingrained in you that you can't even be outside of a, a church, quote unquote, church setting without always bringing that culture with you wherever you go. You know, whether it's fake shouting, joking around or, you know, everything is always hallelujah or like the, the jargon, the, the words that are being used or it's hard to explain. Like you'll, my fellow church people will understand, you know, Christians or, or people who go to church often, you would understand and more so if you go to like 
the Baptist churches, the Kojic Pentecostal churches. Like it's a certain culture that's constantly there that you find with a lot of pastors, children, or, you know, just people who have grown up in the church and, you know, I'm here for church, God, or, you know, has it for a reason for us to come together and to be able to fellowship with one another and praise and worship and do all that together. However, I feel like for some of us, it, it's become all, it's, it's our life. It consumes us, not the Christianity part. And that's always what I find interesting. It's not the, the Christianity part of actually walking that walk and talking that talk, talking that talk, walking that walk that's consuming us where we're really living the life. It's the culture of it all that is consuming us constantly, you know? Um, and so I'm trying to remember my initial point, pregnancy brain, y'all, please bear with me. <laughs> um, but, you know, I did see elements of that, you know, in the movie, you know, you, you didn't even really see the girls being able to hang out and like have other aspects of the areas of their life. Like their life seems so imbalanced. You know, it didn't depict them and maybe they did do it, but they just didn't have time to show it in the movie. I don't know. But it didn't show them having other female friends. You know, it seemed like their friends were just them as sisters. Right. And don't get me wrong. You know, I'm always told that, you know, when you grow up with sisters and you're close in age, you are each other's friends. But it's also healthy for you to have your own friends outside of your sisterhood with your biological sisters, if that makes sense. You know, like how come they never had any other friends you would just see them with these guys they were dating but how come there were never any girlfriends that were able to come by the house or that they would be able to go somewhere with it was just the mom and them and I don't know that that is healthy either right so you had that you had the, the controlling factor you know the heavy church culture factor and oh that's where I was going with this so a lot of times with church culture you know, if there's a goal that you have or something that you want for yourself, as long as I wrap it up in, in the name of Jesus and, and I'm doing this work for the Lord, even, even if my heart has other desires that are past God's purpose for my life, I still wrap it up in that Christian bow, that church bow of, you know, we're doing this for Jesus when it's like, no, you want to be famous and successful. Let's keep it real. Yes, you're in your mind, you're not selling out because you're not now crossing over to sing R&B and to sing about sex, love and all this other stuff. But let's keep it real. You still want the fame and the accolades that comes with the game of of being super successful. You just want to be able to do it on the terms of gospel music. And I hear that to a degree where I'm often challenged is I don't know that God intended for his own to be famous and to be on that level. Because at that point, are we really glorifying God or is the attention still more on the artist? When I think of the Mary Marys, when I think of the Donnie McClurkins, when I think of the Kirk Franklins, when I think of the, um, all these other big time gospel artists, artists that are world renowned, when I think of them, is the first thing that I'm thinking about Jesus, other than knowing and recognizing that they sing gospel music, is the first thing that comes to mind when I'm thinking about them is that first thing 
oh my goodness, I need to get my life right with God. For me, no. I look at them as I would look at any other celebrity. They just happen to sing gospel music. And that's just me. Many of you may have a difference of opinion. But my thing is, I feel that when we get so famous, how can all the attention be on God and Jesus? How? You're now a celebrity. How is the attention going to be focused on God? And, you know, some may say, but they're doing the Lord's work and they're winning over people who would never give gospel music a listen. And maybe it's encouraging their souls. Maybe we'll never know. Only God will know. I just don't, I don't, and I will have to do my research in the Bible, but I don't know that God's intention for us using the gifts that he has given us and the purpose that he has instilled in all of us. I don't know if fame and fortune is attached to that, but that's just me. <laughs> and it's, I think it's a very thought provoking topic to put out there on the table, you know, um, and so I feel like with the Clark sisters, the mother, and I wholeheartedly believe to, for, to them, for the most part, that she was like, no, we are going to get the world's attention. We have to go out into the world and spread the good news and tell them about Jesus. I get it. But I don't know if, if he, if, if God himself needed it to be to the point where y'all hit the Grammys. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Don't know. You know? Um, and so... Did they put gospel music on the map and help to put gospel music on the map, I should say? Absolutely. But when I think of these big time gospel artists, does my, does my mind, my heart, and my soul automatically begin to fixate on Jesus? For me, no. I am enjoying the musicality of the songs that they're singing. I am enjoying their vocal abilities. I am enjoying the harmonies. I don't know that I'm dropping down to the ground and putting my hands in the air and worshiping. Maybe for some, you do get that some of the songs may really tug on your heartstrings. Maybe. And I find that with a lot of these gospel artists in their earlier days, when they were like first starting their career and weren't to that major level, I find that a lot of their music did that for me. Right? You know, um, underground artists that I love. I I always say Doobie Powell is one of my favorite uh, artists ever, if not the favorite artist ever. I love how he's able to merge great music with such an encouraging and uplifting word. My soul truly feels encouraged when I listen to his music. Now, is he on a scale where he's, you know, a superstar out here? No. Does he have the propensity to do to be to get to that point absolutely and my thing will be I will definitely see I'm curious to see if and when he gets to that higher level of success in his career will I will his music still produce that feeling for me will his will his music still be that in tune and in touch um um with with God and the word in that way where I'm feeling I'm feeling that connection maybe maybe not I don't know you know, I'm just keeping it real with um, Dorenda. I will say Dorenda Clark Cole's music will tug on my heartstrings in a different way. But um, but yeah, so I always struggle with that when I when I um I see my fellow Christians kind of like striving for that level of fame and success because I don't really know that that is the intentions of God for any of us for any of His own. I don't know. 
I don't think so because to me, the celebrity becomes bigger than the message. That's what I'm trying to say. Their celebrity ends up becoming way bigger than the message that they intended to push. And then once again, as I always say, once you get to a certain point, you are confronted with selling out. Um, and we even saw it on a smaller level with Twinkie, you know, that, that grease ball of a, I don't know if he was an A&R or some kind of record label executive. He was trying to get, um, Karen to like go solo. Like they're always, there's, there's always a point of selling out. The devil's always trying to weave his way in and Karen, you know, she was the shy one and she probably at that time, she was way young. She had just started feeling comfortable singing solos and doing all of that. And the last thing she was going to do probably was like go solo and leave her sisters. So she stayed loyal and didn't take the bait. But Twinkie did as far as selling her catalog of songs because she's the one who wrote and produced all their songs essentially um, for a Cadillac. And so you see at an early level how in some ways that's selling out. You know, you're, sell you're literally selling your music catalog to get uh, a materialistic thing, a car. And I get it. She worked hard. She was the one that had to travel with the mother all the time, which we'll get to soon. <laughs> um, and so I get her wanting to have something for herself, but she kind of sold out in the same vein. Thankfully, they were able to rectify it years later, but you know, their biggest hit wasn't sold, you know, which is great. Um, but yeah, like you just, it, it's just a, it's just, like I said, the entertainment business, which includes the music industry, is a, it is part of the devil's world. And so, or, the, you know, it, it, how, can, how can we truly exist or coexist? You know, um, it, it's, I don't know. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> um, so, yes. So, I, you know, I found that dynamic interesting with the mom. So, even with her you know, having Twinkie go everywhere with her. As, you know, Twinkie was the organ player, the organist, and she was the one who wrote most a lot of the songs. And when the mother would travel and work with other choirs, you know, she was helping out with notes, playing the organ. And I saw that Twinkie sacrificed a lot, you know. Um, she sacrificed a lot, which is not easy. And I found it interesting that the mother kept saying, even though you're essentially the mother was saying, even though you're this genius musically, right? You write amazing songs, you play the organ well, these are your God-given talents and giftings. You still think like a child. And I found it interesting that the mother said that, I think, on two occasions in the movie. So why not equip your daughter to no longer think like a child? Like I'm wondering, like. If you see that you have a child that is like, oh, for some reason her decisions are not the best. She makes poor decisions. What can I do to really help her to understand and to develop her ability to make good decisions, to make wise choices? You know, like maybe these were things that were done that they just didn't show. I don't know. But it also seemed like a a a, a co dependent relationship in that of the mother needed Twinkie and Twinkie called her on that towards the end like the mother needed Twinkie because the mother needed her musical abilities and Twinkie needed her mother she needed her mother's approval she needed 
for whatever reasons, they seem to have a very special connection out of all the other sisters. Um, it was something about Twinkie that, that the mother needed of her and she needed of the mom. And I, I, it hurt my heart when they, they showed that scene where it was between Twinkie having to choose between going to Howard University, Howard University, and just sticking with the sisters and doing the music thing, you know? And the fact that the mother, the mother, I felt like she didn't really give her a choice, even though she was like, well, then you have a choice to make. Because Twinkie's like, Ma, I, I need to, you know, like, do you want me to not go to school? I need to, like, prepare for this exam. It may take me a week. Like, and instead of the mother, like, you know, being like, you know what? You're right. I've been, like, laying a lot on you. This is a crucial time right now for you. You're about to graduate high school. You got offered to go to college. Like, it was none of that. It was just like, well, you have a choice to make. And then throws the God card in there, which is like, well, how do you, how do you defend that, right? In essence, you have a choice to make. And she was like, but mom, this is my dream. I thought serving the Lord was your dream. Like, well, damn. <laughs> like, what do you say to that? Even though my personality would have been like, no, yes, serving God is something that's important to me, but serving him the way I'm supposed to serve him doesn't mean that I need to do it how you want me to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just the, <laughs> the, the, um, the individual thinker in me, you know? Um, but it seemed like Twinkie's personality was more to be compliant in the sense of, Okay, then I'm going to forfeit my dream. And I love that Denise, because, you know, Denise and Twinkie seem to have a, they seem to be close. Um, and I love the fact that Denise was like, you got to do what you want to do for your life. You cannot let mom dictate what you were going to do, you know, like, and how to, how you're going to live your life. Like you have to, it's okay. If you want to go to Howard, go to Howard. Like, and I'm glad that there was at least one sister saying that. What I found interesting is Jackie was the oldest sister. She came from the mother's first marriage, but Jackie didn't seem to like give that kind of advice. Jackie just seemed like the cleaner upper and to keep things together kind of thing, you know? Um, so at least Denise, who was the second oldest, um, or at least the oldest of Dr. Maddie and Pastor um, Clark's daughters, she at least one sister at least said the right thing. You know what I'm saying? Um, and even speaking of like the, the dynamic between Dr. Hattie and her husband, you know, now I do feel like her husband should have been supportive of her as well. It can't just be, and this is also a part of church culture, you know, pastors are like, I need my wife who's that first lady. You better be on that bench supporting me the whole way. It's almost like you have to give up your life, give up your hopes, give up your dreams to just support your husband and his, right? I have an issue with that. I'll save that for another episode for another day. But so he should have been supporting his wife because she was actually working uh, throughout the Kojic um, network. She was working for the church, essentially. Granted, yes, the wife, the mother, Dr. Hattie, she should have tried to balance it better. It was very clear that she was choosing music and her daughters over her marriage, right? At some point, she wasn't willing to compromise. It didn't matter what else he had going on. It didn't matter that he's like, I need you. She was still going to do what she was going to do. So they both were in the wrong <laughs> as, as far as supporting one another. 
he wanted to he wanted to be the pastor and have her just support him and all that he does and raise them girls and she wanted to still be able to do her music thing and do the music thing with her daughters and not support him so they both were in the wrong for the same reasons if you ask me um but sad sad to say it seemed like they had an abusive marriage going on my question was i doubt that that was the first time that happened you know like was this man beating you throughout the marriage or was that just an isolated moment in my mind for you to run and get a divorce that quickly or however quickly they portrayed it maybe that wasn't the first time that there was some level of abuse and toxicity that was going on in that marriage that these girls witnessed. Um, and even the fact of how he slapped Jackie across her face when she tried to call 911, that tells me that there was something in this man, some level of anger uh, and cowardness, because I always say that a man is a coward if he's going to raise his hand to a woman. Um, he had his own issues. So the example that these young ladies got wasn't, didn't seem to be the healthiest of examples as far as marriage goes and things of that nature. And I find it interesting that it was never addressed. It was just like, Jackie, I want you to come back home because he had kicked her out. He said, you ain't my daughter, like get out. She was like, Jackie, I want you to come back home. The house is mine, I filed for divorce. But there, there seemed to be no sit down girls I know what you witnessed the other night. Your father and I have been having issues. We love you all, but we cannot be together. Like, there was no kind of closure conversation, right? At least from what they're portraying. And so it, it, I just feel like there was a lot of unhealthy dynamics that this family had. But, you know, everything, the focus was just always the music, the music, the music. It never even seemed like the mom was that happy as the girls would get married off. Like, I remember getting married. My mother was super happy for me, you know? She didn't feel like she was losing me as a daughter. She was super happy that I had a life, I now had a life partner to do life with and to build my own family with. Like, that is a joyous moment for mothers as well when their 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 daughters get married, you know? Um so I find it interesting that the mother ne never really seemed to be that happy when they got married. And it, it seemed like the only one who married a douchebag was Twinkie. The rest, the other three sisters who got married, it seemed as though they married decent guys that the mother didn't have any concerns about. But she never seemed to be like super happy and like so like con congratulative or like super like yes i'm so happy my daughter's getting married this is great it just always seemed like it was always about the music you know um that's where her her happiness and joy seemed to come out when they'd be on that stage singing you know um so yeah like a lot of interesting dynamics <laughs> you know and then we start to see towards the end of the movie i never knew that twinkie had a, a mental health breakdown nervous breakdown I thought she was having like medical issues like you know I didn't know she was having mental health issues but in, things like that make you go mm, because these things don't just happen overnight even the fact of Twinkie picking the wrong guy to marry right you know it seemed like she was never taught the warning signs and the red flags to look out for when in relationships with men it seemed like 
you know, there were just certain things that your mother's there to teach you, your dad is there to teach you. It just didn't seem like these girls got some of those memos. And maybe Twinkie emotionally was a little more fragile than her other sisters. But the fact that, you know, between that divorce and I could only imagine, you know, you have a big blowout with your mom and then, you know, where it changes your relationship and then your mother dies unexpectedly. Like I could only imagine the guilt you feel and the pain, the shame, the hurt, you know. So that and going through a divorce, it, it just sent her over the edge. You know what I'm saying? To the point where she had to be hospitalized and like monitored. I had no idea that Dorinda tried to commit suicide. Damn near was contemplating jumping off of a bridge. So when you see these things, they don't just happen overnight. Like all of this stuff traces back to the trauma that they've had from young. And that trauma could have been the abusive relationship between their mother and father. That trauma could also be, even though their mother had the best of intentions, that level of control, always having to strive to look, to have that look of perfection. You know what I'm saying? Like being an artist is grueling at the level that they were at. The level that they work towards, that's a grueling, you're constantly touring, you're constantly traveling, you're doing all these things. You know, another thing that I wish that they would have showed is because they all got kids. They didn't show any of them with their children. They didn't show any of them as mothers. It just showed them as sisters singing with their mom, right, you know, by their side. Like, there are so many other aspects to their lives individually, and I wish that they would have took out more time to tell the story. Granted, the family might have been very selective with what they wanted to put out there because I, I, I get the sense that the waters run a lot deeper with the Denise story. I get the sense that there's way more that probably was going on that the family wouldn't want the public to know. But I, I just, as a viewer, still had some questions. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? These young ladies had a very long career and they're still singing and just dropped an album weeks ago you know what I'm saying so to cram all of this to cram this story into two hours to me is like virtually impossible like they're gonna be a lot of holes holes to the story so I would have loved to see them and how they were with their kids and how they were in their marriages you know what I'm saying it just kind of you would on the screen notice that the year changed you'd see how the outfits changed how the wigs changed but like, there's those for me were a lot of unanswered questions. Um, so yeah, between you know Twinkie having to be hospitalized for her nervous breakdown, and then between Dorenda contemplating suicide, and being close to doing it, like that's that's real. Th those are signs of trauma that has happened. And then it seemed like Twinkie married her father because the dude that she was with clearly was an abuser as well. He pushed her mother down. And the way he's like yelling at her about where's the money, we need the money, how come you didn't tell me about the advance? Like he seemed like he was an aggressive, abusive person. So she married essentially her father, you know? Um, so it's crazy. And how was their father still able to preside and, and, and pastor a church when his house is not in order? Which is another issue that I have with church culture. <laughs> um, why is it that, you know, Dr. Maddie going through what she was going through in her marriage was still able 
to to have she was like the president over like the 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 music ministry or the choir ministry um within the Kojic their Kojic uh network or whatever like she had high position so high that she had to go before the board when they felt like all right now y'all about to go in the y'all were in the Grammys like y'all doing too much this is like beyond we're past the point of like glorifying God this is like this is getting to be a bit much you know where they challenged her on some things I understood where they were coming from however I didn't like their approach because it also seemed to come from a very uh with a slight air of uh, misogyny, meaning it was unheard of, I believe, in the 60s for a woman to have the kind of position that she had. And then, of course, for her daughters to have made it, for her and her daughters, or her to have helped her daughters make it to that level where they're performing on the Grammys, where they probably won a Grammy, like that's real, you know, and that was unheard of. It wasn't, you know, men were probably more so in those positions. So a part of me also wondered, aside from them feeling like it was un going against either unscriptural or going against the grain of what they felt God would honor with them getting to that level of success. Um, it probably also was a little bit of that in there that she was a woman as well. Who knows? I didn't like how they presented the, the you know, how they um, addressed everything with her. I didn't really appreciate the tone in which they did it. You know, even though the other side of me, like I said, I too question if God really his intention for his own and spreading the word is to, to become this big celebrity. Because like I said, either way, I feel like the focus is still kind of taken off of God and more of the focus is on the fact that you are this celebrity. So I don't know. Um, but, you know, how come she didn't like how come when her and the pastor got divorced, she wasn't sat down? For a little bit of time, you know, like when you your house has to be in order, like our houses have to be in order before we could stand before any congregation of any church and, and minister. Right. Am I the crazy one? Y'all tell me, <laughs> you know, it was crazy. Even with Nisi being pregnant, you know, the mom, you could tell she wasn't in agreement with it, but she never pulled her or sat her down from singing with the girls. She was still up there on that stage. So it's like, and then she was still up there on that stage three kids later. So it's like, it just makes you, things that just make you wonder, or at least they make me wonder. But so that dynamic, I was like, wow, you know, there was some unhealthiness there. And then, you know, I always go back to people who are talented on a genius level. I always feel like there is such, there's such a great level of trauma that is attached to that, Right. I feel like the people who make it to that level of success, I always, there always seems to be a serious level of trauma that's attached to that. I think um, Michael Jackson, right? Dr. Maddie kind of was running these girls like how Joe Jackson was running the Jackson 5. Like, iron fist, very controlling, cold. Like, there's some similarities there. Um, so much so that her own husband or ex-husband was like, what are you trying to make them the Jackson five? And she's like, no, they better than the Jackson five. Like, you know, um, so I, you know, you have the Jackson five, Michael Jackson, who talented genius level of talent, but clearly trauma. You have R Kelly genius level of talent, clearly trauma. The, the, the guy was raped, sexually abused for years by his family member and who God knows whoever else. You know, um, Whitney Houston, geniusly talented, trauma, 
Now allegations have come out that she also was sexually abused. She had drug addictions. Like, there's always some level of unfortunate abuse or neglect, some level of trauma that has happened, I feel, with people who we see are, like, geniusly talented, you know? Um, So it didn't surprise me that there was some trauma going on in the Clark sisters' household when they were young. Um, And it's crazy. Like I said, and it didn't surprise me that, and there's probably more of them that might have struggled with some mental health stuff throughout the years, you know, but it doesn't surprise me that it was two of them that struggled, you know, and I hope that Dorinda got help. They never showed that. It would have been nice to show, you know, her trying to get some help, you know, as far as trying to figure out why it got to the point where she wanted to take her own life, you know. Um, but, yeah, so I just wish that there were, they, they, they had a, a lot more time to tell their story. I think that um, it could have been even more impactful. Um, day-to-day people, we go through a lot of different trying times and challenging times in life. And I think that it's helpful, especially within the Christian community, to be able to see that there can be battles with mental health. There could be battles, you know, where you've experienced trauma and how, of course, with God's help and, and, and the wisdom of other people he may put in your path to help you along your way, you know, to get through these things. You know, I don't know that the music and the success will be what heals your soul. No, you know, sometimes we got to sit in therapy and figure it out. Sometimes we got to like, you know, sit ourselves down from doing the very things that we love to not have any distractions in our life to figure it out. I know music could be very therapeutic. Don't get me wrong. You know, and I know that it could be a great escape for many of us who love music. Don't get me wrong. But at some point, you know, like with Twinkie's nervous breakdown, her sitting at the organ wasn't going to help, wasn't going to help her in that moment. You know, she needed some professional attention. So, um, but yeah, you know, a lot of different dynamics. Um, things that made me just, like I said, go, mm, interesting. <laughs> You know, um, and one thing my mom always says, because I feel like a lot of times, especially in like black families with the father was absentee in some way, or if the father wasn't the best of examples for what a father or husband should be, it's very easy to cast all the blame on him. Mothers could screw you up just as much, if not more people. Mothers, especially mothers with daughters, mothers can screw us up too, you know, um, so like sometimes that, that running your household with that iron fist or being super controlling or being needy to the point where you need, you need your children to, to a level that's unhealthy. Like, I don't know. Um, it's something to be said about that. It's not just, you know, it's not, we can't just put all the blame on the men. Like our moms could screw us up too, straight up and down. Straight up. And mothers always have the biggest influence. Mothers are naturally with the children more. So, you know, nine and ten times, even as an adult, something goes wrong in your life, you're having a hard time, 
most of the time people are going to pick up that phone and contact their mother if they have a mother figure or their actual mother who's alive and well and can help them. You know, I don't know how many people would just pick up the phone and call dad first. You know, like moms have that influence. So our mothers can mess us up if, if they're not careful. You know, uh, we as mothers, we can mess our children up if we're not careful. Um, even when you do have the best of intentions. And so I just soak all this stuff in as I'm going to be a mom sooner than later. <laughs> you know, because I really, like I said, my my biggest pride and joy as a parent, I believe, is going to be me being able to raise raise a child into a, an adult who is healthy emotionally, mentally, physically, um, who is balanced emotionally. That's super important to me. I don't care about you being a doctor or a lawyer and all that kind of stuff. What, what, what will make me feel like I did my job is if you're a God-fearing person, as well as you are an emotionally balanced and sound, you have good mental health, you make good decisions for your life, you have a healthy sense of self and self-esteem. Like Those are the things that are going to make me feel like I did my job as a parent. Um, not the amount of money you're making and how you're living and what you do for a living. Um, but that's just me again. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, I've come across a lot of needy people in life and, you know, it's something, you know, that, that's a, once again, that's even an, another episode for another day, you know, especially when it's like grown, grown folk adults who are super needy, like where you need people to need you. That's a, that's a, that's kind of a dangerous thing if you need people to need you. Um, and, and if we do that, we can stifle our own kids if we need them to need us. So we hold on to them and we don't want to let them grow and become the individual adults that they need to be for their lives. We just want to keep them under our wing because we need them. You know? Um, so I don't know. We'll see in my journey of parenthood. I don't want to, like I said, I do not want to suck the life out of this little boy. I want him to know that I will always be here for him and I love him, you know, but that mom still has her own life and mom is still fulfilled in other areas too. Not where he is my only source of life. I think once it gets to that point, then it could potentially teeter to an unhealthy zone. Um, even if the intention is super great, you know, um, so yeah, I'm trying to think, do I have any other thoughts on this movie? Hmm. Oh, I also found it interesting from the time that the, you know, I guess that they were young into young adulthood. It seemed like a majority of the sisters struggled with weight and don't get me wrong, because that is a lot of our plights as women out here. So I'm not a body shamer by any means, so that's not the intention of this. But a lot of times when you see that a majority, like the only one who seemed like they didn't really struggle with weight was Dorinda. The other four clearly did. And I'm wondering, was that, once again, taking it to a psychological realm, was that them eating out of whatever issues, stressors, trauma, things that they faced and saw and experienced? Or was that just where we ate great food that was unhealthy for us most of the time. And that's why, you know, um, 
I found that to be interesting too, that that wasn't, and it never seemed like that was something that was addressed either. I'll never forget in growing up, not growing up, but being like a young, young adult living on my own at this point. And this is probably the heaviest that I'd ever been. And my mom was just like, Chanel, in essence, like I say this out of love, I need you to get a hold of your weight. You know, it's very easy to eat out. I know you work in the social work world and by the time you get home, you may not even have the energy to try to put any pot on the stove and cook anything. But I need you to understand the different ailments and illnesses that run on both sides of your family. And it's important for you in your 20s, your mid-20s at this point to get a hold of it. And that, I'm pretty sure that wasn't an easy conversation for her to have with me. But in hindsight, I respect the honesty. And she did it in a way that was good. I would say it wasn't like a, a harsh way, but it was a real way. Like, this is something that I need you to get a hold of. I've struggled with weight all my life. You know, my mom, this is my mom saying this. I've struggled with weight all my life. You know, it is an uphill battle a lot of times. But if you can get a hold of this from your younger years, you don't want to be confronted with this. It causes, the older you get, our bodies naturally break down. You don't want to be in a situation where you're now having diabetes. You're now having hypertension issues. You're now having other problems that will make the quality of your life harder, right? And so not to say that I made a difference or made a change in that moment, but it was a seed that needed to be planted. And um, it was something that I was aware of. But when like your mom kind of has that conversation with you, I was like, okay, this is something that I really, really, really need to be like aware of and like figure out, you know what I'm saying? So I found it interesting that, and maybe they're like, what does that have to do with the storyline? We're not even trying to take it down that road. But, you know, I just found it interesting that it seemed like a lot of them, and even when you look at footage from the Clark sisters singing back in the day, seemed, it was clear that a lot of them battled with weight, which is a lot of women in America's plight or in the world's plight. You know, it's a, it's a fight that we all have to combat, so to speak. Um, but when I see that it's like, a majority of all of them going through that, it just makes me wonder, was there a lot of emotional eating and things of that nature? Or was it just that we enjoy eating a lot of the delicacies that come with the African-American culture and we just weren't eating well? I don't know. I can't blame it on money because they, they grew to be very successful. So it wasn't like they didn't have access to probably a, a little bit of a better lifestyle than most of us, you know what I'm saying? So you know, um, and sometimes it's something that just runs in the genes too, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I'm thankful that I had a mom that was like, listen, Chanel, I need you to kind of get a hold of this. And I wasn't like 300, 400 pounds, but I was just the heaviest that I had been. Um, and 